There's the gratitude from those that you've been supporting, and we've been featuring all month uh, the missions that we support, and uh, it's just so nice to see them touch in. We've, we've heard some great updates from uh, some of the ministries and missions that we support during the month, and as Pastor Barry had mentioned, this Wednesday will be our uh, last Wednesday, just really focusing on missions and this morning, we're talking a little bit about that, and I'm going to be uh, sharing with you from the Old Testament this morning. You can just put your finger in the last book of the Old Testament, which is uh, the prophet Malachi, and we'll be reading a, a small passage from Malachi. Malachi, Malachi means my messenger, and this prophet was a messenger, just like the other prophets. Malachi was a messenger uh, for God about 450 years or so before the coming of Jesus. He was the last of the Old Testament prophets. God didn't speak to his people through the prophets again until John the Baptist. So there was these centuries that seemed God had gone silent. And then John the Baptist arrived to prepare the way uh, for Jesus' ministry as Malachi had prophesied. He had prophesied exactly that. These are the last, though, the last of the Old Testament prophets. And I'm guessing, I'm guessing God didn't tell him, hey, Malachi, you're the last. There are going to be no more. I'm just guessing he didn't know that. He just was obedient, like all the other prophets before him, and he brought God's word to the people. And he brought the word that God wanted him to share. And he had a part then. He had a part in the formation of what Jesus called Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. That's what we call our Old Testament. Malachi closed it out. But his part, his piece in that, it wasn't very big. It was a pretty small piece in the entirety of God's word at the time. It was just really a small, small piece. The compiled prophecy of Malachi, it's four chapters. They total, those four chapters total 55 verses. Now, if you consider other parts of the Old Testament... Malachi is a pretty small piece. Jeremiah is 52 chapters. 1,364 verses in the, the book of Jeremiah. Isaiah, another prophet, 66 chapters. 1,292 verses. There's 150 psalms. Just one, Psalm 119. That has 176 verses. That triples all of Malachi. Just one psalm. If we think of the entire Old Testament, Malachi is minuscule, very small. There's 23,145 verses in the Old Testament. Malachi is 55. How much did he contribute? 
Well, it was less than 1%. It was less than half a percent. It was less than a quarter percent. 0.24%. This is his contribution to the entire Old Testament. He was one small piece in God's big vision in God's big word to speak to his people and to reveal the plan of salvation and the coming of Jesus. Malachi's part, although small, it was necessary and it was important. It was a required part of the whole. We've touched on that this month. Being a small piece in God's big vision, being important and necessary. Malachi was just a small part of God's big word, but his part was necessary and it was important. And Jesus quoted from this little prophet Malachi. The recorded words of Jesus give accounts of Jesus quoting Moses. Jesus quoted many of the Psalms and Jesus quoted Seven prophets. Now, there's more than seven prophets in our Old Testament. Jesus touched on seven of them. One of them was this little prophet, Malachi. So it was a confirmation by Jesus that Malachi's ministry was important and it was necessary. And Jesus confirmed that. Now, what was his message all about? What was this message or this little prophet all about? Well, if you read it, it's a pretty stern word to the people of God. It's kind of a message of judgment, very straightforward, very firm, directed towards God's people. And much of it, much of Malachi comes in the form of what I'd say is a catechism. Question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. That's Uh, the form of a catechism style of teaching. Malachi's prophecy opens with a question. It's a question about God's love, God's love for his people. And he put it this way. I think it's chapter one, verse three. Lord, how have you loved us? Seemed that people were questioning God's love for them. Well, then Malachi gave an answer. Immediately after that question, an answer. Many questions follow. Some are God's questions to the people. And some are questions from the people to God. They're in the voice of the people. And Malachi began each question this way. You ask. You ask. Because he knew what was in the heart of the people. You ask, Lord, how do you love us? You ask, Lord, why aren't you accepting our sacrifice? You ask, Lord, how have we wearied you? There were questions that were specific, uh, not just about the people, but in the voice of the priests. God said, you priests, you're showing contempt toward me. And the priest asked, Lord, how have we shown contempt You priest asked, how have we defiled you? Now, in all of these questions, there's an answer given. There's an answer that follows. Malachi answers with each question until you get to chapter 3. Now, in chapter 3, it's interesting. There's a question that's posed, but Malachi's response is different. 
there isn't a direct answer. It's in this portion of Malachi chapter 3 that I want to focus this morning. From this little section and this little prophet who contributes such a small part to the Old Testament, I hope this morning that you'll see something very necessary and important. This is Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 12. I want to read you this question and then how it was answered without a direct answer. And let's dive into that. So Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 12, they say, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, Jacob, who is Israel, so you, the descendants of Israel, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and you have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, there it is again, but you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, but you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Now, what I find interesting in this little passage is that the question, the questions that that were posed in the first couple chapters, they were answered very directly. Malachi gave direct answers. And for example, the question regarding the priest, Lord, how have we shown contempt for your name? Direct answer follows immediately. You have shown contempt for my name by offering defiled food on my altar. But we get to this part in chapter 3 where the Lord said, return to me and I'll return to you. But then there's this question. So the question's posed. How how are we to return? So there is no direct answer to this. I was maybe expecting there should be. If you read the first two chapters, you'd expect a direct answer. But what follows is another question. Now, this is kind of the style that Jesus used. You know, Jesus was asked a lot of questions, and oftentimes he wouldn't answer. With a direct answer, he would just ask another question. That seemed to be his style at times. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar? He was asked. Jesus replied with a question. Bring me a coin. Whose inscription and whose image is on the coin used to pay the tax? Jesus was asked, by what authority are you doing these things? He had 
knocked over the tables in the temple, and he was teaching, and he, he was doing signs and wonders. By what authority are you doing these things, he was asked. He didn't answer. He said, John's baptism, was it from man or was it from God? And Malachi, in this chapter 3, he employs this kind of style, a question followed by a question. So let's explore that question a little deeper. He introduced it this way. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Israel, are not destroyed. Now this is a reminder. This is a reminder to the people. God is a God of mercy and grace. Before Malachi, long before Malachi, God had been rejected. Generation after generation, time after time, from the time of creation, when the first couple rebelled against God, the trend continued. Disobedience, sin, sin was a cancer that infected the human heart. And from the Garden of Eden onward, humanity had recorded a self-seeking and a God-forsaken history. We don't need you, God. And, and yet, despite the rejection, God was merciful. God poured out his grace over and over again. God had been rejected, yet God continued to extend mercy and grace right there from the garden uh, to, to the man Adam and, and the woman Eve who were guilty of rebelling against God Almighty what did God do? Well, he clothed them and he promised a way for them to be free from their guilt and the death penalty for their rebellion. He promised the coming of Jesus. God promised the offspring of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And that was the first prophecy, Genesis chapter 3, the first prophecy of Jesus who would be God's gracious gift to humanity. And as the rebellion continued, generation after generation, God continued to be merciful and he kept on showing his grace and he kept on promising Jesus. Time and again, time and again, he spared a stubborn and a rebellious and a disobedient people. And here, the final prophet of the, the entire Old Testament, he reiterates this, God is a God of mercy and grace. I, the Lord, do not change so that you, the descendants of Israel, you're not destroyed. And there's God's mercy. Even so, ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my ways and you've not kept my decrees, you've not kept my commands. And God said, return to me and I'll return to you. And there's his grace. God, he'll, he'll come back. He'll, he'll, he'll join with one, you in re relationship when, when there's obedience. And then the question, but you ask, how are we to return? And again, after reading the first couple chapters of, of Malachi, I'm expecting an answer. Come on, give me an answer. How are we to return? Tell me. And here's the answer. Here's the very next line. Will a mere mortal rob God? Now, where does that come from? It's not an answer. What are you doing to me, Malachi? You're confusing me. You're, you're putting another question there. How am I to return to God? And you tell me, will a mere mortal rob God? You ask this question? It's not an answer. It's another question. And where is this prophet going? 
He's going somewhere. And, and how do we find out where he's going? Well, we, we have to keep reading. We have to read on. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. And that begins to answer this question. How are we to return? And the prophet didn't forget the answer. He didn't just say, well, I, I, I don't know the answer, so I'll just change the subject. He didn't just leave the people hanging. He's not leaving us hanging who are reading this now. His answer to how are we to return to God, his answer begins with this question, will a mere mortal rob God? So there's a connection. There's a connection between returning to God, returning to God in obedience and this idea of rebelling against God, robbing God. And Malachi put it bluntly. I, I said his word was stern, his word was direct, yet you're robbing God. And then that begs another question, and he writes it down. You ask, how? How are we robbing God? And it's that question and the answer that follow that reveals a heart it reveals a heart that desires a relationship with God and a connection with God. It re reveals a heart that wants to run towards God, that's aimed towards God, wants to run to him, assured, assured, without doubt, that that promise that he made, return to me, and I will return to you, that that promise will be kept. Malachi had indicated God was merciful. He had spared the people he reminded them that. Even though they had turned away so many times, they had turned from God's decrees, they weren't being obedient, and they hadn't done what God had asked. That just, again, that just goes back to the garden. God asked one thing, just stay away from this one tree. Didn't happen. And God had spared his people but yet there was still a separation. There was still a separation in relationship. The relationship wasn't whole. And God made the invitation, return to me, return to me. How? Here's how. Here's how. Do what he asks. Do what God asks of you. You're robbing him, Malachi said. Well, they're, they're, How? And he put it straight out in tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. And then bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, God's house. Then this great offer, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour you out so much blessing you don't have room to store it. Return to God by obeying what he asked. And giving to God, giving to him, it's, it's one of his decrees. But the people didn't keep it. They were holding back. And it seems, when you think about it, it seems a small thing. Ten cents on the dollar, a dime. It's a small portion but Malachi made it clear. It, it was too big. It was too big to let go of. Oh, yeah, yeah, pennies were coming in. There was something coming into God's house. Maybe, maybe a nickel now and again, but not the whole tithe, not the whole tenth. 
So the word of God to the people was bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. It's a small part in God's big vision of enabling his kingdom on earth to function. It's not a a huge piece. It's not a big portion. It's a small part. But so many were unwilling to release that small part. And it disrupted their relationship with God. And that holding that holding back, it's evidence of this. It's evidence of not trusting God. It's evidence of not fully trusting, not believing that God's capable. God's capable of supplying every need. And what was the result of, of that unbelief and that not trusting God? The result was, well, we're not going to obey what God asked. Believing and trusting and obedience, these are foundational to our Christian faith. It's just, these are the building blocks of our Christian faith. God said to the people, you're not keeping my ways, you need to return to me. And how do we return? Just be obedient, be obedient, keep my ways. And he put out this example, Malachi put it out, you're robbing me, you're holding back. But return, return, God said, and you know, you can test me in this. Don't hold back and see if I won't open up the floodgates of heaven and just shower shower you with blessings. You won't have room enough to contain. I'll take care of you, God's saying. I'll take care of you. I'll keep your crops from failing. I'll keep your vines from having the fruit fall off. You know, so many can trust God with the spiritual things. Yes, I I can trust God that Jesus is my Savior. I trust my internal life to the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. Yes, I can do that. I can trust the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. I, I can trust these things. But when it comes to stuff, when it comes to the material stuff, so many, there's a hesitation. You know, we sung a song this morning. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things. Everything we have comes from God. And do we believe what we are singing? Do we truly believe it? Are we sincere in that? You, God, are worthy of it all? If we're sincere in that, then what about a dime? Well, God... God, you know, it's, it's 10%. It's 10% you're asking me to bring into the storehouse to work your mission here on earth. I don't know, God, maybe I can go 3%. I think I can do that. I can do that. If it's a good year, if it's a good year, if it's a good year, I'll, I'll go five. I'll go five. But 10%, God, that's huge. That's a lot. And, and God, you mean, you mean on the net, right? You mean on the net, not on the gross, right, God? I, this story came to me this morning. I didn't solicit it. it. I was just speaking with someone about, hey, what are you preaching this morning? Yeah, I'm going to preach on giving. And I get this story. When I was a kid, and, and I got my first job, and I'm working, and I'm talking to my mom. She said, you know, you, you're supposed to give to God on your gross pay. And that got this person thinking, really? 
But the person I'm talking to said, I committed to that and spoke of God's blessing and then told me the story. I was talking to a neighbor, talking to a neighbor, a Christian neighbor about giving and tithing. And I happened to mention, you know, we're, we should tithe on the gross. It's the first fruits. It's this principle of the first. And so who I was talking to said, my neighbor came back to me and told me, thank you. You blessed me, and I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that and to be taught that, and, and I'm going to put it into practice. But we ask God, don't we? We get before him sometimes and struggle. God, haven't you seen? Haven't you seen my mortgage payment? Ah, you want me to go a dime on every dollar, God? Seriously? Inflation's killing us here. It is. And you know, God, you know there's the recession. It's coming, right? It's coming. God says, return to me. Return to me. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. I'll tell you another story. There, there was a, a young couple. A young couple, they were in their 20s. They had a child. Mom stayed at home. She, that was her heart's desire. That was their desire as a couple. Mom to stay home and uh, working hard in the house looking after children, taking care of the house. The family attended church, Christian family, gave to their local church, their local storehouse, but they weren't bringing in the whole tithe. And then one Sunday, the the pastor at that church preached a message on tithing and giving. And the young man said to his wife, you know, we should do that. We, We should apply that. And uh, the next Sunday, that's what that couple did. And they, they put their tithe in an envelope. And at that time, it was about $80. Now, the very next day, it's kind of like a, a story Pastor Barry shared. The very next day, Monday morning, that young 20-something went into work, and he got a call, come to the boss's office. Kind of wondering, like, what am I getting called into the boss's office for? And uh, that young man received a $500 bonus. Wasn't expecting it, had no idea it was coming. You know, and he, he went home and talked with his wife about, wow, you know, God says, test me in this. And of course, it didn't happen every week. It would have been beautiful to get a $500 bonus every Monday morning. But it didn't happen that way, and it doesn't work that way. But what did they do? They continued to trust and obey and as the years went on, they added another child. They, they were able to put their kids into a Christian school. And there were times at work where this, this young man, by some who earned more than him, asked, does your wife work outside the house? No. Your kids, you've got them in private school? Yeah. How do you do it? How do you do it? Trust and obey. Trust and obey. Does that mean life was perfect? No. No, it it didn't mean that life was perfect here on earth. There were time in that couple's life that was was hard. There There were valleys. There were trials. There were tears. There were tests. But God's blessing remained. And, and they found in, in this principle of just giving it shall be given unto you and being obedient that God did open his windows of blessing. And it wasn't necessarily riches to hoard here on earth. 
No, but as God blessed, it enabled, hey, we can, we can bless others. You know, it's, it's good to be able to bless others and, and have that capacity of it, something as small as just a meal, a meal to help someone with, or their automobile breaks down and uh, to assist in getting it uh, running again. Things like that, an appliance breaks, and hey, you can help somebody get it back and functioning. It's not monumental. You know, this isn't like, you know, the money of Bill Gates and such. It's, but there was blessing, blessing. So when God pours out that blessing, it just enables his kingdom to go even further. So in the church, you know, they were able not only to bring in then what God had said, that the tithe, but also able to support special things like missions, to go above and beyond with offerings. And you know what? They never looked back. Never looked back. Just continued in that. And I know that story. I know that story of that young couple because that's my story. That was me and Julie. In our 20s, just like, we gotta do this. And you know what we learned? You just can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. And I remember that, I remember this supervisor asking me, How do you do it? I'm just following what God says. I share with you another story. A number of years ago, there was a couple sitting out on one of the benches down the, the dining room hall. And, and they were looking troubled. They were looking kind of down. One of our elders came up to the, this couple and uh, struck up a conversation. And the woman, the wife, began to just share how bad their financial financial situation was. She wasn't working. Uh, her husband's job seemed very insecure. They weren't sure if it was going to last. Uh, she shared how the bills were kind of starting to stack up. Their savings were almost gone. And you know what this elder of the church said? When did you stop tithing? Now, now this woman was kind of stunned. She wasn't expecting that. But she thought about it, and the more she thought about it, it began to occur to her that she had stopped trusting and obeying God. Her and her husband had stopped. And she talked to her husband. I mean, you know, we need to recommit. We need to return to God. We need to return. And we need to show our trust and our obedience. And so they did. And their life began to change. And she was able to find work, and she went back to school, and her husband's job, it got more secure. The bills that were piling up began to dwindle down. They had returned to trusting, obeying God, and his blessing became evident. Now, I know this story not because an elder shared it. No, no, not. No, that woman who was sitting on the bench shared that story with me. And she told me how, how that occurred and how she was kind of like taken aback but thought about it. Now, and since that time, her and her husband, they've moved away, but I saw them a number of months ago, maybe six months or so, and you know, they were just glowing. They were still committed, still committed to trusting and obeying. It actually touched back on, on that change in their life when we talked. In the small things, in the small things, a dime on every dollar, 
for God's big vision for his kingdom on earth. That's, that's his request. Now, now this morning, you got a form to consider for supporting our missions program. And we've been highlighting our, our missions here on Wednesday nights. And if you've been able to not attend on Wednesday evenings, and, and here's some of the updates. This, this little handout is a description of the missions that we support. And we ask you, please consider how you might support these missions. And then complete this form. Fill it out if you would. It helps us to plan. It helps us to plan for 2024 to let the missionaries know what to expect. And if you don't like the paper, you can go online. Just go to our website. Pick the missions menu. You can fill it out. But I want to add this. Before you make that commitment, before you make that commitment, if you haven't committed to this idea, this principle that God has put out, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, I encourage you to think on that, pray on that, make that commitment to trust and obey. God brought the word through a prophet who formed a very, very small piece of the whole Old Testament. But it was a necessary and it was an important word. And in that small part of God's word, God asked for trust and obedience by just releasing to him a small portion of your material gain, even though he's worthy of it all. A small portion which is necessary and important for his big vision and his big mission for his kingdom on earth. Return to me, and I'll return to you, he says. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Take it to heart this morning. Let's stand and pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your loving kindness. God, I just ask and pray that you would move on our hearts this morning to be people who are committed to you, not just through our hearts and our uh, our spiritual ways, but in every way, God, our entire life, our natural and our material life, God, that we would steward it rightly and we would do as you say and ask. And God, help us to trust and obey. And if we've never really tested you in this, you've made the offer. Oh, God, I just ask and pray anyone who is, who, who is maybe just a little nervous or they, they have some trepidation, God, just wash it away. Show them. They can trust you with everything. You're worthy of it all. Our whole life, you are worthy of it all, for from you are all things. So God, help us to bring to you all things, our hearts, our lives, our, our resources, our time, our treasure, all of it. God, we pray. Bless your people, God. Bless them as they take time to consider how they would support and continue to support the missions here that, that we support as a church. 
God, thank you. Thank you for the hearts. Thank you for the, the, the giving that keeps this church moving and the mission going forward. It's your mission, God. It's your church, and we thank you. We thank you, God. We thank you. We, we love you. We just put all of this into your hands. We look forward to what you're gonna do in it, God, what you're gonna do. We appreciate it and ask all these things in the name of our Savior and our Lord, Jesus Christ, amen, amen.